Hello, listeners, and welcome to Season 2 of the Strength and Recovery Podcast. Real people, real experiences, real hope. My name is Jay Rodenbush, the Director of Alumni Engagement for Recovery Centers of America and the host of Strength and Recovery. 2022 was an incredible year for the RCA alumni team. Aside from launching this podcast, our team was able to host recovery meetings each and every day, offer an incredible calendar full of free events and activities for our alumni community, and save lives by helping people start their recovery journey in our treatment centers. We are proud of the road we were able to pave in 2022, and it only leaves us more excited for what we have coming up in this new year. In 2023, the Strength and Recovery podcast will feature interviews from more RCA staff, alumni, friends, and family, and others on their recovery journey who are interested in sharing their story with our listeners. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, we'll relate, and we'll gain new perspective. And ultimately, we will continue on this road together to ensure that 2023 is a year of health, happiness, and growth. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of this podcast are their own, and not necessarily those of RCA. These interviews are personal testimonies of recovery and should not be considered medical or treatment advice. To our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in every month. It has been a pleasure putting this podcast together as a way to connect with our community. We can't wait to talk with more of you this year. If you or a loved one is struggling and needs support, please do not hesitate to call us at 1-833-RCA-ALUM. We are available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Don't wait. And now, please enjoy the new season of Strength in Recovery podcast. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Strength in Recovery podcast. I'm your host, Jay Rodenbush, Director of Alumni Engagement for Recovery Centers of America. I am in Monroeville, Pennsylvania today at our facility here, um, sitting down with Deb Rosselli. And Deb was one of our alumni coordinators. She is now a treatment advocate um, for Recovery Centers of America. Why don't you tell us what does a treatment advocate do? Well, first of all, thank you for having me today, Jay. This is super exciting. Um, working with you and alumni now moving over to um, this new role. So tapping back into seeing you, it's exciting. Um, so the question is, what is a treatment advocate? Um, a treatment advocate helps and advocates for patients needing treatment. Um, this um, role allows me to go into hospitals and different institutions to speak one-on-one -on -one with patients um, that need treatment. I'm able to break down barriers and um, share my recovery with them and encourage treatment. So that's exactly what I do. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? You just said share your recovery. So why don't you share with us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, I've been clean and sober since January 10th. 
2012. Um, I have um, 10 years clean and sober, um, coming up on 11 years this, this January. My husband and I both walk this journey together, and um, he is a little bit ahead of me, so the, um, the thing that we always make fun of is the fact that he was right be, he he got clean and sober in December so his sobriety date is 2011 and mine because it was after the first of the year is 2012 so we always make fun of that but uh, we walk this journey together and um, I have three sons um, my oldest is 18 and my um, baby is 14. I guess he's not a baby anymore. Huh? And the one in the middle? And the one in the middle is just turning 16 and he's oh getting ready goodness. to get his driver's license. So, yeah, but I um, started this journey in um, January of 2010. Yes, 2010. I'm getting all confused. 2010 and um, it has been a journey. Um we have had to rebuild from being homeless to, um, you know, f straight from the bottom. And um, my pathway in recovery has been, you know, a faith-based recovery. Um, although, you know, working the steps in AA has really changed my life and has taught me how to live life on life's terms. Um, the centerpiece of my recovery is you know, faith-based. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about, I know we have um, a lot of couples who either want to come to treatment together or they realize our relationship is going nowhere, our family is, is not what it needs to be. Talk to me a little bit about a couple's journey in recovery. A couple's journey, although you're going through it together, you have to recover separately. So it's, um, you know, pulling apart the codependency. There's a lot of work that has to be done. Um, you have to work your recovery um, in intensely, I believe, a little bit harder than just getting clean yourself. Um, you know, sponsorship and having that support system around you um, to help uh your relationship, you know, it, it's, it's difficult. It could be very difficult. Um, but having that support and, you know, um, talk to me a little yeah, bit about what, no, you don't be sorry. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you said you use the word codependence. What did that look like in your life? Codependence look like my husband and I, we didn't even have to communicate verbally we were so codependent on one another that we were able to look at each other and know what the other one was thinking. So in our addiction, um, you know, we would, you know, we knew what we had to do to get what we had to get. There wasn't um, necessarily a communication. We just knew it. And that was codependency. It was a very um, uh, sick, toxic relationship at that point in our marriage. And, and how did you go from, you said homeless, right. you said codependent, you said not a great relationship to now having this beautiful family that a lot of people would look at and say, man, that's goals, right? That's marriage goals. Mm -hmm. That's the life you have now. 
Um, what do you think was one of the biggest factors of that? I mean, I can't, I can't deny that, you know, God has been so good to, to us and, and in our marriage, he is at the center of our marriage. Um, he gets all the glory for where we're at today. Mm. I love that. I, I get emotional with that. I'm so grateful that we have our family still intact. My children are still with me. And, um, and they know sober parents. They know sober parents. They know sober parents. Very grateful for that, you know. Do you remember any decisions you made in that beginning stage when you were looking to get help, looking to get treatment, looking to fix things? Were there any pivotal decisions? I think at the, the, the very last episode of treatment for my husband and I, the very last one, um, there was some incidents that happened after coming out of treatment, which um, my pastor during that time had opened the church to us, and we were, we were staying in the basement of the church with all three boys and my husband. And um, I remember, you know, my family had um, completely allowed me to my own devices. Um, we were completely alone at that point with the kids. Our family was intact, you know, but I remember specifically being at the church and in the um, toddler room and, um, you know, where all the kids would go for Bible study and uh, really hitting my knees and saying, I can't. You know, you can, Lord, and just trying to get out of the way. But that was um, the very beginning of my journey um, was a complete and total surrender, literally on my knees. You know, it was good. Wow. And when did life start to make the turn? There was a lot of cleanup. I had a lot of... Uh, court cases, court costs, charges, um, a lot of things that we had to walk through. Um, it wasn't pretty. It was um, a process. The thing that kept me going was um, what I didn't want to go back to. The way that I was living before was almost like a, a dog going back to his vomit, mm. you know, where, you, you know, we're okay Although I have all of these things to go through, what I was before and where I'm at right now is, you know, kept me on that journey. I was happy to wake up and not be sick. I was happy to have the problems that I had because prior to getting clean and sober, I couldn't even be a mother. I couldn't um, make lunch. I couldn't do anything without that drug. And that sense of overwhelm. Mm -hmm. uh, that had to be a shift mm -hmm. just saying I'm grateful for these issues I, I want to deal with these mm -hmm. that sounds like a big shift in thinking yeah and I don't think that shift came from me I, I really believe that my higher power had changed my wants and needs and my desires and um, I believe that he removed that obsession that I had mm. mm-hmm that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
And was it was the journey about the same time where you for your husband? I know you said you had to recover separately. Can you talk a little bit more about what that meant? That meant um, separate um, meetings that we went to. Um, he went with his sponsor. I went with mine. We didn't do how, things together. How pivotal is that? I mean, you know, I mean, although we we still to this day take each other's inventory, you need to talk to your sponsor. You know, we have the, those issues still arise today. But um, it was, I, I feel, the only way because we had to pull each other. We had to pull that codependency. We had to, you know become individuals mm. um when we were together it was a huge you know we could blame and victim and and it was a big ball of you know codependency and a mess so when you came back together you were now two separate healthy yes individuals or yes. healthier healthier we're still not <laughs> <laughs> What do they say? Two sickies don't make a welly, you know, but we're working on that. We're working on that. Um, when we were talking about whether you would do this a podcast, you said, I like to talk about the solution. So I want to give you the mm -hmm. opportunity um, to talk to the listeners about the solution. What, what does that mean? The solution I found, you know, um, first of all, you, uh, my pastor when I was receiving counsel would say to me, it's not a 12 step program. It's a one step program. And it, it's a God, this is a God thing. And I took that literal. Um, but I had to learn that there were steps that I had to, to take to get to my higher power. And I believe the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous got me that bridged the gap from addiction to recovery so I, I really believe the solutions in the book you know and um that's where i found my my life mm -hmm. was in there how important was getting a sponsor well um it was everything um you know to have a strong woman to teach me what it was like how to be a lady um, how to be a mother, how to say sorry, how to grow and be broken and still be okay. Um, you know, God put this woman in my life. Say that again. What was it? To be broken and still be okay? Yeah, talk about that. It's okay not to be okay. And I didn't know that that was the case. I pretended most of the time that I was okay. Um, she taught me that I could still struggle and still be okay. It was, it, it, it didn't have to take me out. You know, when you're, when you're an addict, you're very extreme one way or the other. And, um, you know, perfectionism and, and all of these things, these defects come into play. And when it doesn't go your way, you have to be able to balance that out and continue your journey. Having a strong woman in my life really um, made it okay for me not to be okay and still continue on this path. So, she, you know, she was instrumental in, in my growth. And um, 
I know a lot of people come out of treatment and they're a little resistant to get a sponsor. Yeah. Or it's like, "Mm, no, I haven't found one yet. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your advice to people? You know, my my journey's a little different. For the first year of my recovery, um, although I was going to meetings, I didn't have that. I, I had women in my life, but I didn't have the sponsorship. I had temporary sponsorship. She, um, my sponsor came in probably about a year after when I was very, very uncomfortable. But you had the temporary. I had a temporary. I had to, mm-hmm. you know, um, but God really blessed me, um, you know, during that time with great women, strong women around me until he placed um, this woman in my life that has... I will forever, I, I think of her, we're no longer together. Um, I've moved, and so we keep in contact like that. But she, um, it was instrumental in my growth and um, very special to me. And was she, was she tough? Tough on you? I'm very sensitive. So she had a way of being so kind and pushing at the same time. I don't know if there was anybody tougher on me than me, you know? Yeah. So I really struggled with, you know, this isn't good enough and that's not good enough. Her role to me wasn't to be tough. Her role for me was to be a little bit softer with me because I was so, Mm. so hard on myself. You had that perfectionism. Yeah. The all or nothing thinking. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes. That's beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. Tell me about now. What's life like now? Hmm. You know, they say beyond your wildest dreams. I say that all the time, and I think about that. Um, I think about 15 years of, you know, raising the boys, being home. um, And then, you know, God opening the door for a career in, in recovery in this arena. Um, when he opened the door, I started as, you know, a tech at a local facility. Um, and I saw the benefits of working with other addicts and alcoholics and how it fed my soul. So I really feel like, you know, God has righted all my wrongs and not only that, but has provided a career with my my biggest hurdle you know was my drug addiction and he's really switched that as my number one blessing and um i i am grateful that i work in in recovery um i'm grateful that on a daily basis um you know the things that i pray for when i get in my car is um you know, that the Lord goes before me, behind me, and beside me, and that he guides me to the people that need the help, where he could utilize me in in my full potential into helping people achieve the things that he has so freely given me. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's, it's a blessing. And talk to parents right now, maybe, mm-hmm. who are in recovery. They've got kids. They're trying to navigate... I mean, I've got teenagers, Mm -hmm. you've got teenagers. How do we go about having those hard conversations, talking about substance use? It's everywhere. Talking about the scary stuff, the fentanyl. What's your advice to parents? 
I think I tap in and tap out. Um, I really feel like the, the, the least amount that I give them at a time, you know, good gems of, um, of knowledge of really what's happening in the real world. I use my career as how I teach mm -hmm. the things that I see is not my experience, but something that I'm walking through where I could share that with them, you know? So, um, honestly, as a parent, I, I, I pray on a daily basis because I truly don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I truly don't. And I know that, um, you know, that God knows my heart and my desires for my, for my boys and what I want for them. Um, they're very well aware that addiction runs in our family. Um, it's on both sides. Um, they're very well aware that I work in this, that this is um, a ministry that I do. Um, and uh, it, it's talked about on a daily basis in my household. So I, I really feel like um, they're aware and they see it. And creating a space mm -hmm. where kids can have open conversations and they can come to you. Yes. Yes. That's important. It is important. Um, and I think when I am vulnerable with them and say that sometimes, you know, I don't know the right answer, the right direction. I think when I'm vulnerable with them, then it, it pulls us closer together where we can, um, come together and make some decisions on next steps for them or, you know, recognizing different things, um, you know, being there with them on their level. That's so important. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about last year. It was Halloween. Mm -hmm. You were dressed up <laughs> to be here at the facility. Yeah. And one of the boys will, will remain nameless. And you needed to go to the school. And you forgot you were in costume. Jay, I can't even believe you remember that. Do you that remember so that? so funny. Yes. And you walk into the boys' school... To take care of business in with full, it was like that. Which is yes, regalia. Yes, one hundred percent. The the littlest, you know, the ornery I said, one. He is gonna have oh a story in twenty years. I came walking in there with my heels, <laughs> my witch's heels, and I just came in there, gave him the look, and you know, here I am with my witch's outfit on. Oh, Jay, that's really funny. I forgot about that. Was that was the best story. I'm gonna yes. We have to revisit that with the boys at home. That's funny. Um, that's funny. <laughs> I, I, I think what I love about you, and, and I, I, I don't know your boys, but I, you know, I hear these stories, and yeah. is your willingness to just mm -hmm. be down to earth with them, mm -hmm. and, and the ability that you've had to create a peaceful space. I know you work really hard to, to just to make family a priority. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, you know, we have our dinners and, um, they never, you know, they, um, for the last 10 years, they haven't had, um, they've had a peaceful home, you know, and, um, which allowed them to grow in different ways. And, um, I'm blessed to be able to provide that for them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Gratitude is a way of living. It's, um, 
you know, waking up and, you know, my morning routine is, it's the three W's. It's the wake up, worship, and workout. And Deb <laughs> does not sleep. Uh, I do. She goes to bed really early and she wakes up about 3.30 or 4 a.m. And starts texting. I do. I work. That's I've when I get my best 3.30 a.m. Yes. texts. Uh, yes. We tr- tried to switch it to email. Yes. Yes. <laughs> A lot of work gets done, and, and that's where I get my head together in that morning um, that morning meditation, that morning routine. Um, it's priceless to me, you know? So, yeah. I, Walk I, us through your routine. I my, know you said... Yeah. My wake up, you know? My wake up, worship, and work out. Um, my morning routine is, of course, I have to, you know, check my emails and, and all of that, and then get up and have my coffee, and there's some quiet time there. There's some reflecting from the day before and what I want to accomplish in my day um, that's ahead of me. Um, with that being said, you know, there's there's a humble a humbleness in my posture and, um, you know, welcoming the direction for my day. There's some readings that go on Um and there's some, you know, plans and goals that are revisited during that time. Um, the working out, you know, just incorporated into my routine probably about two years ago. And um, it has done wonders for my mental status, my energy level, um, those types of things. So my mornings are, you know, my morning to um, prepare for my day. I mean, you know, working a full-time job and being, a, you know, a wife and a mother, you have to, you know, have all of these different hats and be able to, you know, um, take them off and put the other one on um, seamlessly. And um, it could be challenging at times. So that morning time for me grounds me and gets me um, ready for my day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you always been a real morning routine yeah. person? You always have? Or <laughs> was that something, have. was that a, a gift of recovery? And you know what? I've always been like that, but I didn't utilize it in the way that I do right now. So it's always been with me. My dad's an early riser. You know, there's been conversations that my dad and I have had at 3.30 in the morning. So I get it from him. You know, I'm waiting to see which one of my boys... Um, get this we'll see i mean they're teenage boys now so they're sleeping yeah we, we haven't and recognized you, and you don't yet. wake them up you <laughs> let them go <laughs> let them lie right <laughs> yeah yeah debbie thanks so much for being with mm-hmm. us today we always end with favorite recovery quote i could just give you my quote um god call god qualifies the called so Although you might think, you know, I don't know if I could be in a sponsorship um, role and I don't know if I could give, you know, another woman um, what uh, was freely given to me. God will qualify you in those roles. So that's that's my quote, Mark Batterson. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Jay. Thank you for joining us today for the Strength and Recovery podcast. 
real people, real experiences, real hope. This podcast is presented by the Alumni Association of Recovery Centers of America. If you're interested in learning more, visit rcaalumni.com. Here, you can fill out our web form to make sure you're receiving our daily recovery emails and are notified of special events. The Alumni Association of RCA exists to connect individuals to an active recovery community. It is our goal to work with alumni to help them succeed, belong, and ultimately serve others. We help our alumni succeed by hosting more than 120 recovery support meetings per month with both virtual and in-person offerings of big book studies, speaker meetings, beginners meetings, Monday through Friday daily inspiration meetings, meetings for men and women, and faith-based meetings. Second, we create a welcoming community that provides a sense of belonging with a full calendar of events each month. Speaker series, barbecues, holiday celebrations, bowling, sporting events, theater shows, and much more. Thirdly, we provide an opportunity for our alumni to serve both the recovery community and in our local neighborhoods. We offer speaker commitments, chair commitments, mentoring opportunities in our facilities, volunteering at food banks, recovery, and overdose awareness events. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Recovery Centers of America provides inpatient and outpatient treatment and has locations in Massachusetts, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Indiana, and Illinois. Recovery Centers of America, or RCA, was founded to break down barriers to expert treatment. We answer the phone and admit patients 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, are in network with major insurance providers, and provide evidence-based treatment in our world-class facilities. If you or someone you know needs help, call 1-800-RECOVERY and know we are here for you.